0: Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Christine Hassler. I am so excited to have you on because I have heard so much about your work and oh. so much about the changes that you've made in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And what I love most I've, as I've gone through this new awakening in my life of understanding how important mental awareness is, self-awareness is, mental mm-hmm. health, mental therapy, all of these exercises that we can do to bring ourselves to our very best. I really like your approach because your specific book is titled something that I've never actually thought about, Mm -hmm. which is Expectation Hangover. Mm -hmm. Free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. This is an eye-opening title because I always say this is my motto to life, right? In business, in relationships, I always say, manage, you can manage your expectations, but you can't manage the person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't control mm-hmm. the people, but you can manage like how, what you expect coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So expectation hangover, what does that
1: exactly mean? So it's, it's a term I made up. So that's why you haven't heard it before. Um, it's when one of three things happen. Either life doesn't go according to your plan or your expectations and you're disappointed. Or life does go according to your expectations, but you don't feel like you thought you would. Like you finally get that great job or get into that relationship or lose the weight that you wanted to lose and it doesn't solve your problem. It's like right. you still don't feel better. And the third kind of expectation hangover is when life just throws you an unexpected curveball, an unwanted, unpleasant surprise, getting laid off, getting diagnosed with something, getting broken up with those Divorced. kinds of things. And what I've noticed, because I've been coaching people since 2004, so I've got a lot of Coach, I mean, thousands and thousands of people at this point. And I've been my own best client as well. And what I've noticed about the human experience is that most people wake up. Most people decide to transform or change after they've had an expectation hangover. Something in their life disappoints them. Something, someone, and- The setback they either, gets you ready for the comeback. It, it does. It does. And so it, it, it's sort of a requirement of the human experience. Un, it, we cannot avoid disappointment. It's one of the things that- you know, we we have to experience as humans, but we can shift how we relate to it. And what I've learned in writing the book and teaching about this for years is that our time between expectation hangovers can get a lot longer. So we have less disappointment in our life because we know how to, as you said, manage our expectations and form agreements and not set ourselves up for disappointment. And our time spent suffering in the hangover, all the disappointment, the regret, and all those feelings we don't like, become shorter because we have more tools to deal with them. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if you right. learn the tools and you work it, if, if you approach any expectation hangover as this is happening to me and you're a victim, good luck. You're going to be hung over for a while. However, if you approach it as I don't necessarily love this, but it's happening for me and I accept it and I'm going to learn and I'm going to ask not why is this happening to me, but I'm going to ask instead, what am I learning from this? That's a way more powerful question to ask. I'm, computing that
0: into my, my forum here. Yes. Not what is happening to me, why. but what, not why is this happening to me? But what are we learning from this? Yes.
1: Cause the why just throws you into victim. Why that, is it happening to me? Here's, here's the weird
0: thing in, let's say technology, right? Let's yeah. say your phone glitches and, and all of a sudden you lose your call or you yeah. lose your messages. We don't immediately in that moment, we don't go, why is this phone jacked up like this? We mm-hmm. go into troubleshooting and we figure out what is the problem mm-hmm. and what can we learn next time to do, whether it's backing our you know, our, our data up or making sure that you had it plugged into a hard wire so we didn't lose the information. But why in life, why do we immediately go into woe is me And Mm -hmm. that can plummet us into years of depression, lost relationships, Mm -hmm. um, and and, and sometimes a mental disparity that we can't come back from. Why is that? Why do we have this innate
1: feeling to just go into more of the sunken place? Because most of us have very low self-worth. Most of us on some level think we're not enough. So that when something bad happens, there's a part of us that believes it was our fault. There's a part of us that believes like we're unworthy or we weren't enough or we deserved it in some way and we feel hopeless and helpless. The second reason is most expectation hangovers, if not all, that happen in our adult life have a thread to childhood. So whatever you were disappointed by most in childhood, let's say you dealt with a lot of rejection or bullying, then that's probably where your expectation hangovers lie. Let's say you were criticized a lot by your parents. That's probably where they're like. Let's say you're really strict parents, then most of your expectation hangovers probably come when you don't achieve something. So that's another reason is that even though I might be 35 and having an expectation hangover as an adult, there might be an eight year old that's actually feeling it because it's triggering something from my past. And so it just brings up a lot of subconscious feelings, emotions, old stuff that so that the, the situation feels bigger than it actually is. That's why it feels so heavy. Does that make yes, sense? Yes, yes, yes. It feels
0: daunting and yes. depending on the type of support you have around you, you might not be able to actually get yourself out of or if you don't have somebody like yourself like yeah. to actually help you swim out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I wrote the book because I was like people need a manual. And so it teaches you how to yes. deal with it emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, and spiritually. And for me, you know, I I got put on antidepressants when I was 11 years old, was on them till 30. I'm not, I'm, I definitely am not oriented as a positive person. Like I'm a person that more can go for worst case scenario, the worrier as a kid, all that stuff. Now I've shifted it over the years, but for me, it was easy to default from an expectation hangover into victim. woe was me? All those kinds of things, which yeah. is why I'm so passionate about this topic, because especially for people that lean towards disappointment or lean towards a little depression or anxiety, lean towards a little that woe is me, which is natural for a lot of people. It doesn't make you bad or wrong or broken or any of those things. You kind of need a formula for how to work with it, how to really use it as a learning opportunity. And one of the best things I've ever done is decided to have a growth mindset in my life, to be a student of life, to, you know, when, when quote unquote, bad things happen, go, okay, I don't like this, This isn't my preference, but I can still accept it. You know, when we fight with reality, Byron Katie says we lose 100% of the time. So acceptance doesn't mean we condone things. It doesn't mean we're giving up. It just means this is what happened. I don't like the fact that I got laid off, but the more I think about how angry I am about that, the more I blame outside sources, the more I'm a victim, the more I go into hopeless, helpless, I'm not making any progress, the worse I get. So I might sit back and go, okay, what am I learning? What am I learning here? Another really powerful question is what does this remind me of? Because a lot of times if you're somebody that has gotten laid off, you know, more than once, there's mm. probably in your past in your childhood, maybe parents that told you you weren't that smart or, you know, not not making the soccer team that you wanted, you know, there's that that old stuff of feeling like you don't get what you want. Yes. That's
0: that's a great connection. If you can actually conjure up the memory that 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 tethers the same feeling that you're getting today Mm -hmm. with the rejection or the disappointment in yourself I mean that I feel like that would crack the code for half people half the people out there but we don't usually associate that with the same trauma as like a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or even 20 year old or you know when you go through a breakup or you know your first first moment of losing your first job or things like that I know that for me when I when I when I learned about your repertoire, I mean, first of all, you have 16 over 16 years of experience, mm-hmm. not only writing your best-selling three books, but you also coach companies and you help people in their individual lives and you you have a master's degree in spirituality, spiritual psychology, mm-hmm. and you implement these things in your teachings. And the thing that 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 hit home for me the most is that I'm 42 today. Mm-hmm. And today when I, your birthday? No, sorry, forty-two, meaning like (laughs) forty-two in this in this time. Right. Got it. Well, every day is my birthday, really. But (laughs) I'm forty-two. And when I look back at the time that I lamented over the hardship I had or the the anger at myself as to why I got myself into some certain situations. Like for example, I was married for 10 years, more than half of them unsteady and unhappy. And I was still broken over it after I got yeah. out of divorce, wondering yeah. why I wasted all that time. Yeah. And what you just said earlier is you said that it's not until some type of hardship, sometime when your expectations aren't met, when we really do make that change. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the tools that you explain in this book. Mm-hmm. What all, What What is the basic fundamental tool that we all already have that maybe we're not tapping into to make that immediate change to not waste any more time?
1: Yeah, well, I kind—it's funny. My book was written after my divorce in my early 30s. So I, I feel you on that one. Wow. Um, so the
0: wait—I biggest- just have a question yes. on that note. Yes. From the moment of divorce, uh huh. Because I know there's a really long, drawn out period where it's just kind of ugly, or yep. you know, it's, it's it's a whole period, right? Everybody yep. who's been divorced knows this. So. From the divorce to the book being like manifested, how much time did it take for you to actually have the clarity to write a book to help other people?
1: It came out in 2014. I got divorced in 2010. So I wrote most of it in 2012, 2013. Okay, got it. That sounds about right. Like it takes usually at least a year or to to get over a divorce. And then I didn't meet my now husband until like eight years later. Stefano, who we had on the show and we love. He's so awesome. He is so awesome. He is so awesome. And and that's the beautiful thing that can come out of expectation hangover. When you really trust the universe, source, God, whatever word you want to use, when you really trust that there's something greater, some unconditional loving force that has your best interests at heart and your highest good at heart, even though you don't know it now. I mean, when I when I was going through my divorce, I mean, I didn't know that I'd meet the love of my life eight years later and that it would be everything that I wanted, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that I couldn't stay where I was. And so sometimes we have to take those risks and those leaps and, and go through the disappointment to really learn. So the, the, but back to your question about the tool, we kind of talked about it earlier. The very, very first thing we have to do is we have to accept it. We have to be accept it and become students, become curious, ask what am I learning? And then the next step after that is to feel the feelings around it. So most of us really don't know how to deal with feelings. We have really no tools for how to deal with emotions. We know how to distract and numb. We know how to drink, eat, shop, work a lot, um, become a people pleaser, a caretaker, but we really don't know how to feel with compassion. Oftentimes when we feel our emotions, we're doing it with such judgment and analysis that the emotions just get stuck. So I talk about the difference between recycling feelings and releasing feelings. Recycling feelings is, let's say you're going through a breakup and at night you cry yourself to sleep and you're thinking about your ex and maybe you're looking at pictures and you're feeling regret or maybe you're feeling anger and you're wondering how long it's going to last and you're judging yourself for being weak and crying. You're just recycling. Because you're having emotion, but you're having all this judgment and all this thought. When we give ourselves permission to have a feeling, like a good cry or hitting a pillow or screaming into a pillow, or if you live alone, just screaming and don't even muffle yourself, just like, "Ah." Um, with compassion, with an inner voice that says, it's okay, let it out, allow yourself to feel, it's okay, let all this go. No judgment, no analysis, none of that. Then we start to release feeling. And then we start to get more clarity and we can start approaching things on the mental level. We can start asking those questions like, what does this remind me of? What am I learning? It's usually all the feeling, the anger, the shame, the the guilt, um, the sadness, the grief, the regret regret that's in the way of being able to learn from it. So we've got to accept and we've got to feel. That's where we begin. This podcast
0: is geared towards my fan base who really what I love and this is addressing every single person who's listening right now I love how introspective my fans yearn Mm. to be Mm. all of us have the same issues I get my dms flooded with questions about insecurities self-confidence self-worth finding that right relationship and I notice that everything I go through in my life this is the beautiful thing about humanity. Yeah. When you go through certain things and you actually express them or you are open about them, it relates to other people and they then can exchange their own woes and their own um, hurts and setbacks that they're going through at the same time. But the one thing that I find unifying all of us is that constant internalization of what am I doing wrong to have caused this? Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's that, back to what you just said about that guilt. How much, Christine, are we to own? Because I'm from the philosophy of you can't blame other people for your issues. Even though I got divorced and I chose the divorce, right. I also said yes. Yeah. I also chose to look past maybe some of the red flags that I saw. And, and this person wasn't a bad person. It just turned out that we weren't right for each other as we grew into the people we are now. So I have to own those things. And for me, owning that helps me heal. It helps me feel like, okay, so this is the bed that I made. And these are the things that I'm not going to do moving forward. These are the things I'm going to change about myself. So I try to teach my audience that. And I find that that's a really hard thing to do because (laughs) some of, you know, I mean, there's women who've been cheated on, women who've been lied to, women who got fired for no reason, right? And so I'm asking you to tell me, how healthy is it to at least own some of the things that we've gone through and mm-hmm. how healthy is it to just, um, blame, you know, the, the source of what it was so right. that we know what not, not to get into anymore?
1: Never healthy to blame, always healthy to learn. So there's a big difference between self-responsibility and self-blame. Um, self-responsibility is again, asking that question, what did I, what am I learning? So even let's use a cheating example because that's a great example. That's a hard one for people to take ownership of because you really do feel like the victim in that situation. But you can be asking, what am I learning? Did I have trust issues with men before I got in this relationship? Did my, was my dad emotionally unavailable? Or did he cheat on my mom? Like, why did I draw this into my life? What am I seeking to learn here? That's different than I'm blaming myself. I should have seen all the red flags. I'm an idiot. I'm going to like become even, I'm going to shut down my heart even more and trust less men. That's not the answer. I see so many people who get cheated on, then just trust, I mean, trust less. And that's not what you want. You actually want to learn how to trust more. But usually when anyone is in that particular situation, there's something to learn. There's something, it was a lack of trust um, in in the opposite sex or whoever they're with, uh, old stuff from a parent. There's usually something there that is seeking to be revealed, right? And so that's, again, back to what am I learning from this? How do I become curious? So how we take self-responsibility is we look at what is this teaching me? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I working to clear? What am I seeking to learn? Or back to the cheating example again, maybe you're someone that doesn't speak your truth. You know, you don't speak up for yourself. You don't stand in your truth. Yes. and you constantly feel like a doormat and it's like the universe is like okay how bad does it need to get before you start standing up for yourself so sometimes we'll draw experiences in like that that get us so angry that maybe finally we're like enough is enough and it's time to yeah. stand up for myself so I think that responsibility is important and I love that you coach your audience to do that but blaming someone else or blaming ourselves is just going to keep us angry
0: yes also,
1: I also want to mention regret which is Regret is taking information you have now and going back in the past and beating yourself up when you did for something, when you didn't have that information, it's like, being in sixth grade and going back to your third grade self and being like, why couldn't you add and subtract very well back then? Like you would never do that. And mm. so regret, regret and guilt, they're not even real feelings. They're just like thoughts that we've clustered together and calling them regret and guilt. They're, they're energetics we get into. There's a frequency to them, but they're not real emotions. Emotion is energy in motion. Sadness, um, shame, anger, grief, those are emotions. Guilt and regret- it's just an energetic cluster of thoughts. And neither are you useful. Regret is just a form of self beat. And guilt is just something we feel when we feel like we've done something wrong that we haven't forgiven ourselves for, but we still want to be a good person. So we're yeah. like, well, I'll feel guilty. So at least I'm so good. Yes. So we want to avoid those. <laughs> that is such a
0: reverse learning right now. That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy what you just said. I, I, I'm 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 picking up on some of the things that you just said and I'm trying mm. to like really unpack them. One being if you get out of a broken relationship with, where your trust was was violated, it's actually important for you to learn how to trust more, not trust less. That's right. crazy. Christine, yeah. that almost sounds <laughs> like it's not English. Mm-hmm. And then when you say that when you say that we are actually Blaming other people is something that is actually going to plunge us deeper into that. Well, it's not the right thing to do. Right. And that we're, if we're owning our truths of our faults, that's actually going to help in the healing process. But that's really hard when somebody wronged you, when you gave them your full trust and you gave them the very yeah. best of you.
1: And you oh, got to get the anger out. You got to hit some pillows. You got to scream. You got to write a bunch of FU letters that you rip up and never mail. Like, you've got to get the anger out. But eventually, like, really, you know, I think it's a quote from Buddha that says, anger is like holding on to a hot stone, waiting to throw it at somebody, all the while you're the one getting burned. Yeah. And it's so true because when we hold on to anger, it's not hurting the other person. It's not moving us forward, it's just yeah. hurting us. You know, anger yeah. is, repressed anger, um, especially in women, I see connected to more disease and more autoimmune stuff than anything else. Women don't, women especially, aren't really great with getting our anger out. That's why my women's retreat that hopefully I can teach again soon when we can all get together. There's a massive three hour anger burn that people go through because I want to teach women how to step into their anger and their rage and actually feel the power and the passion underneath that. And I know for me, you know, doing anger work got me off antidepressants. It shifted all my autoimmune stuff, like finding that those emotions that I suppressed, and for for most women we're good with sadness, we can kind of get there, but really getting into our anger, like our rage that everyone has pieces of um, for the purpose of releasing it and then feeling the power underneath that is something that really liberates us. Your words are so freeing, just being able to learn that
0: through your guidance, through your book, that we can actually tap into this and help ourselves. Yes. What would you say, okay, just a couple takeaways here sure. for people listening. If they do feel like life hasn't been fair to them, they do feel that they're getting the shortest end of the stick in life. Yeah. They do feel like things continuously don't work out for them. What would be a good place to start when it comes to kind of taking a break, taking a breath, looking at your life? Where do you go from there? How do you, how do you begin to just kind of take a fresh step in a different direction?
1: hmm Well, first for people that are feeling that way, I just have so much compassion because I know that that just feels so hopeless, helpless. It feels like a dead end. It feels like no matter what you do, you can't seem to get above water. And that's a very real feeling. Um, So just a practical thing for anyone that feels that way, get it checked out on a chemical level. You know, sometimes it can be hormones, thyroid, something in your gut, mold exposure. Like I know so many people that feel like they're going crazy and feel like they can't get out of something and feel like life is not working and they try to do everything. And it's just, it's a physical tweak that needs to happen. We have a gluten intolerance. You know, that was, that was the reason for so much of my depression. I was totally allergic to gluten. It messes with my brain. And you turned out celiac or something? Not celiac. It actually messes with my brain. So I get depressed if I have it. I get really heavy and depressed, like functional, but just Yeah. So first just check, check that route out. That's a good one. Okay. I never oh, even rural, thought about that. Rule physical things out. Just rule it out. Yeah. And the second thing I'll say is, you know, when you're feeling like that, the best thing I know how to do is you, you've got to come back to that your higher self, like deep, deep self-love, because it's hard to shift anything on the inside when we aren't connect anything on the outside, when we aren't connected to ourself inside. So I would start just a simple, mindful meditation or breath practice where you're spending anywhere from five to 20 minutes a day one hand on your heart one hand on your belly just breathing and starting to connect back to your heart connect back to yourself just try to start to feel love inside and if you can feel love and you can feel just a teeny bit of gratitude maybe it's just you have five fingers and you can be grateful for that shifting into that a little bit and a little bit every day Because looking for anything on the outside, there's no magic pill. There's no one book. There's not anything outside. When we're in that place, we're feeling like nothing works. The only thing that shifts it is an internal shift of perspective. You know, a miracle is a change in perception. And if we constantly see ourselves as a victim, we're constantly creating that in our life. So we got to come back to that place of empowerment, start to reconnect to that self-love and that power we have within. That's the most important first step.
0: That's beautiful. Oh my gosh, Christine. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, okay. This is the question I want to ask you. Um, and this is about you personally. Okay. You said you've gone through divorce and I met your husband and you are so blessed. He is so, fl- <laughs> you guys, I can't imagine your pillow talk. You guys, And then I can't imagine your arguments. I wonder how you guys unpack when you have a, you know, um, a, a moment where you're at tension oh, yeah. or you're, you can't meet on, you know, on the same page. And so I, I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall as you guys use your practices mm. to mm-hmm. sort your marriage out and, and be as healthy as you can. Mm. But what I want to ask is, what is something that you've had to unlearn? So you're so full of wisdom today. You've helped so many people. Is there anything even recent that you've had to actually say, you know what, Christine, I have to change that thought. Or I have to actually change what, what I've been believing this whole time. And what would that have been?
1: The biggest thing I've had to unlearn over the years is that being hard on myself is the way to move myself and my life forward. So I use being hard on myself, having high expectations of myself as a way to drive myself towards my goals. It's like, well, I've got to I like do, too. do a little more. I've got it's to work out a little thing? harder. Yes, bad. But I've
0: always thought that it means that we're really ambitious and we're very hardworking. We're resilient.
1: No. <laughs> Sorry to burst the bubble on that one. So any, any self-criticism, any self-criticism, any being hard on ourself is the opposite of loved. So it just perpetuates um, a relationship with ourselves of discontent. Because and when we're, we're hard on ourself, it, it is, we can't be in self-love. So we live in a world where motivation is rewarded and drive is rewarded. And we have forgotten about the power of inspiration and the power of being compelled and pulled forward by something. Mm. So there's two ways I can go about my life. Let's talk about my business. I can build it and grow it by being hard on myself, by comparing myself to other people, by saying, just one more hour, do this. You got to write another book or you'll be irrelevant. Like I can have that voice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that works. It works. I know it. But it leads to stress, adrenal fatigue, all kinds of other things. Comparisons to other people. Yes. Yes. And enough is never enough. Right. Like you, it's like, where's the finish line when you're coming from that? But if we're, so that's like pushing ourselves, right? But if we're pulled by a vision, then we're inspired. What do I feel like doing? What feels really good to me today? What do I really want to create? What like? me up? What inspires me? Oh my gosh. Like I, that, that feels really good. I want to do that. Awesome. I'm going to work on that. That doesn't feel good. No, not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So taking the pushing and the motivating and the driving, and I've been doing this now for years, I don't push myself anymore. And it's amazing because more opportunities come to you that way, because when we're pushing and driving and having such high expectations of ourselves and we think we know what we should be doing, we're limiting the world of possibility to just what we know. But when we allow ourselves to be open and surrendered and inspired and silence that inner critic a little bit, then it makes room for more opportunities and we can be more co-creators than controllers of our life.
0: I understand, Christine. Basically, you're saying we could actually get to the same goal of writing that other book, or taking on that third job or whatever it might be that you're right. ambitioning to do. But you're coming from a source of inspiration and a healthy conversation with yourself rather than, look at her, she's doing all this and what are you doing? Exactly. Or, oh my God, it's been this long, you haven't come out with something, which is the running dialogue in my head. Yep. That's really that's really helpful. I've been that way for at least, I would say my entire career. I would say the reason why I'm Jeannie my standing here today is because I absolutely look at myself like, what else can I be doing? You're only doing these eight things right now. Mm-hmm. And look at somebody else who's your age. They're doing this and right. you're only here. That
1: that that is what I do. You're calling me out right here and I really, really appreciate it. And well, thank you for allowing me to. And a question that I often ask is, would you would you talk to any of your friends, especially your best friends, like you do to yourself? No. Exactly. No. And I would never exactly. talk to
0: like children that way. I, mm-hmm. I I have a lot of children in my life and um, from my nieces and nephews and things yeah. like that. And I always Encourage and remind them to think within on themselves and be their best competitor if they're going to look at it that way, but in a fun, encouraging way.
1: You're absolutely right about
0: that. That's something that I've unlearned today because of you. Oh my gosh.
1: It's my pleasure. Very helpful. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Christine, where can we find more about your practices? How can we book you? I know that you're Mm -hmm. super booked. I know that you're crazy. Busy as it is. But how can my fans reach out to you and get more info on you? Oh, Besides thank Besides getting you so your book, much. by the way, you guys. I'm going to have it in a link below here so you guys can go straight to Expectation mm-hmm. Hangover. Free yourself from your past. Change your present and get what you really want. And you can also, of course, listen to Christine's podcast, Over It and On With It, which is I one of my favorite podcasts mm-hmm. that I've started thank listening you. to. So tell me where else we can get, keep in touch with you.
1: Uh, yeah. So if you just go to christinehassler.com, you can sign up to get my free coaching assessment. And there's always things I'm doing. I'm doing a virtual inner child workshop in March. We're gonna have a relationship workshop coming up soon. Um, I have a coaching institute where I train coaches. So there's there's all kinds of stuff that that you can get connected with me. You've got on. a full university going on. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, do. it's like all the things I've needed over the years. You know, we've got a program. Uh-huh. women calling in their their match their man their king so we've got a little bit of everything
0: oh my gosh and that's another thing i want to say i i applaud you for turning your pain into power by turning it into a book that essentially then spawned out all these conversations and courses and ways to train other uh therapists out there because when you help other people it really does do a self-healing for you. It does.
1: Well. No, for yeah. sure. I've been my best client.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Christine, for oh. your time today. You guys uh, do follow Christine, Christine Hassler, H-A-S-S-L-E-R, and do rate and review this podcast. If there are any parts of this that you have questions towards, Christine, Christine, make sure that you hit me up in the DMs and I can forward those questions to you, Christine. Thank you so much for your help today. I really appreciate your words.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for everything that you're doing in the world, too. I love your energy. I love the conversation. Thank you.
0: Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey.